Hi there, so this is Martin Thomas with the Innocent Inmate podcast. For this episode, we have a guest, uh, Mary, who's got experience of the similar situation uh, through her son. So, Mary, uh, if you can just give us a, a little bit of a background to who your son is first of all, you know, how old is he, what was he up to, what was his life like before all of this sort of came about? Well, he's, he's over 40 now and um, he was an um, a electrical engineer and a DJ and he um, he had quite a busy life and very full-on life and um, and he just filled it up with helping people and doing um, pe- uh, lots of things for charities and he was just always helping people and, and always busy working. When all this came about, what was the, the first that you were made aware or the first that you became aware of something going on? Um, well, he, his, him and his partner split up and they stayed very good friends. And um, then, you know, she, um, she, she was in trouble with her um, finances. So I invited her to come and stay with me, but I think she was wanting me to pay her bill or off. Um, and then um, we found out that she was um, had another man and she didn't intend to um, do anything that she came down to me to do, like pay off her bills, get herself a job, etc. cetera. Uh, and so then, um, but she did say she was gonna leave the child with us because she was really happy. And then um, her sister said to her that she's got to take the child with her. So after a court case, they did let her take the child with her. Um, And the child was homeless, really. She was going from one place to another because of the circle of friends she was in and the person that she was with, who was very violent, he got a C-100 to be able to keep her and um, and then that's when the trouble started. So the, um, the the person in question came back to my house to see her daughter when we still had her, and she said, um, "Did you know that um, he had um, sex with me at 14?" And I was shocked. And I said, "No, I didn't know that." And uh, she said, "Well, he didn't, but that's what I'm going to tell them." And basically, I should have put that in a statement, but. My son asked me not to, and because he he just doesn't want trouble and all that, and uh, so I didn't put it in a statement. But that's exactly what she did. She, her, and her friend created a story that he has sex with her. Well, fourteen, yeah. and it changed to thirteen. And from what I've I've seen, obviously until I became aware of it myself when I went through it myself, I, it wasn't something I was aware of. It wasn't something. He often hear the term, you know, no smoke without fire and things like that. And you know, oh, 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 it's a natural human reaction to make assumptions, judgments, that sort of stuff. But yeah. I think until until you're going through it yourself or somebody close to you is going through it, you don't realise how uh, prevalent this kind of thing seems to be. Whether it be, yeah. you know, angsty exes, whether it be over uh, child uh, living arrangements, whether it be, you know, one of many different things. Um, and just just to clarify, for the C100, uh, just for anyone who either doesn't have children or hasn't gone through that sort of stuff, that's that's for living arrangements for a child through the courts, is that right? 
keep the child we wanted to keep the child where she was because she was settled she was stable and until she had sorted herself out with what she wanted to do hence her bills and getting herself a home etc um we want to keep the child with us until she had sorted herself out so she wasn't disrupted yeah no totally understandable there wasn't any uh, talk about him keeping her forever it was just at the moment and she agreed at the time that it was fine but that one of her family members made her uh change her mind yeah and uh, that if she didn't then she wouldn't get another place and she wouldn't get her benefits so that's when they took the child yeah back. well we had the court case first and then they let her take the child yeah so so hard. After this had been sorted and, and the sort of child had uh, essentially a dedicated permanent home at that stage then, is that when things start to kick off with the accusations? Yeah. Or? Because, because she then stopped us from seeing the child at all. So six months, we took her to call and uh, we ended up with, he ended up with 50-50 custody, but living with her. And then that went on all right for about a year or two. And then um, she all of a sudden went to the police and said that he groomed her, and it was all in the in the family courts. It was all um, NFA'd. And yeah. They said that that was just all. Um, can't remember the word now. It was um, so that um, you know they said well it's just the timing and everything else. It was all um, all around the same time that she's made these accusations. Yeah. And so it's NFA'd. And then yeah. that went on for a little while, and then and she went to the police. So again, for for anyone that's that's sort of new to this, it's these sort of terms and things are second nature for anyone in, in this. But NFA is basically just no further action. Um, yeah. So essentially, um, the police can come and they can detain you, they can question you, they can then choose whether or not they're going to charge you, uh, and essentially, it could anything could happen between that stage. You could be out on bail. You could be completely free but you know if they want to speak to you again or you need to appear for uh like a lineup an identity parade anything like that they can call you back um but essentially you're at the whims of the police force until you have a, a sort of decision at the end of the day and then nfa is a no further action decision uh, it basically yeah. means at this stage there's not enough evidence or it's not considered uh you know enough for them to take forward to a, a full sort of charge and a case criminal case okay. um well, then when she went to the police um in a letter from the police after she'd done her statements out of the blue he had a letter to say that he is being charged for six offenses and um, grooming and he didn't know anything about it he went down to the police station voluntary and done his very quick statement. They didn't want much from him. Yeah. And um, he had. They didn't. They didn't take heed of his witnesses. They didn't validate any of whatever she said. They didn't validate it. And he had witnesses to say that you know when she said things first happened when she was thirteen, she was at a party, and these two witnesses were sitting with him all night, so he knows nothing happened, and. Um, and also the fact that they never checked that she was actually 300 miles away. I mean, most he, he saw her briefly when she was 13 because he knew her brother. And then within six months, she'd been taken by the social up country. So what was so, the sort of time gap between when this was meant to have happened and between her actually getting the police eight involved? Years. 
they had 13 years together and then yeah. families. But it was 18 years. Oh, 18 years. Oh, wow. Mm, 18 years. And, you know, there'd been no issues other than obviously they, they, their relationship had came to an end and that sort of stuff. But it was all sort of civil and everything was fine at that stage until there was actually issues around custody then. Yeah, she was, um, she was, um, she'd left him at 30, um, in 2013 and uh, she, she, she said that, oh, he's not paying enough attention to me, etc, etc. But what the problem was is that she smokes um, weed and she was very depressed and she was always screaming and shouting at him. And so obviously he, he sort of backed off a little bit and because she felt she wasn't getting the attention, she said she wanted to leave him. So she left him in 2013. But we've got we've got all the uh, text messages between them. He still stayed friends. She still invited him over. He paid all her bills. He didn't pay her rent because she was on social, so she got that she got that um, from them. But she is always texting, saying, "Have you got food? Do you want anything for the daughter um, and his um, sibling and that?" And um, and uh, so he kept well in touch to 2016 when she met this other guy and then things started to get a bit nasty uh, she that's when she said that he's controlling because he stopped paying for the phone he stopped paying for the tv he stopped paying for sky and that and uh, of all brand and so she thought that was him manipulating her and controlling but he said if you don't want to be with me i'm not paying your bills or yeah. you know find somebody else and that person can take over yeah take it. he he was doing this with uh, from the sounds of it with the hope that maybe they would rekindle it yeah. somewhere down the line yeah yeah, yeah. They did. well they did get on they loved each other <laughs> yeah so fr from the the initial sort of notification from the police that that so the first he heard was the letter then is that right that saying that he was going, yeah, he yeah. was being charged yeah that he's been charged and he will be um he will be a um, have a prison sentence. He he will have one, um, but that was even before the, the case was um, done. <laughs> Did your son have uh, sort of legal counsel for it? Did was yeah. he eligible for um, legal aid or? He had legal aid, and he had a really good barrister. Yeah. Um, well, um, uh, they got wind of what barrister we had, and then they um, eleven days before the court the trial. They 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 stopped that barrister from well they said he couldn't do it because they changed the date and said that this barrister couldn't do it and they put another barrister in who said oh I'm not going to use all of what he's done he's got so much we don't want it lasting any more than five days do we and he actually threw out all his evidence all his witnesses nobody was called. I think one witness was called, that was it, and he didn't really have much to say, but the other two were very important witnesses. In fact, one of the one of her witnesses was an, another ex-girlfriend, and she went round asking people to make statements about him, said, um, will you make a statement against him? Uh, and we will, um, because we want to get him banged up because he's not having his kids. And that was his other ex-girlfriend and yeah. partner had two children with who alienated him from his children and these two witnesses the police didn't wouldn't even um detain in entertain no that's and it's something that seems to crop up time and time again in the sort of various groups that people who have been accused if you don't have the money to pay for 
you know, fantastic uh, representation. Sometimes you're already on the back foot, but a lot of the time it uh, sort of affects well, a lot of people don't feel that the police are actually trying to uncover the truth. They're just trying to uncover the best way to get a conviction. Would you yeah. would you say that would be fair in, on your son's sort of case? They didn't look at both sides of the story, essentially. They really were just looking at what fit rather than what didn't fit. Yeah, yeah, that's what, exactly what that's exactly what they did. And actually, because she, she's um, actually, um, uh, she doesn't really write very well, they actually uh, changed her statement to actually she she's actually um, can't read and write very well, so they actually made her change the statement to fit the crime. See, I don't know if this is similar to to what your son went through. What I was told was, first of all, it doesn't matter how long it takes for them to come up with the accusation or to go to the police because we, they can't be held accountable for the length of time. Which you know that is fair enough. There are some people that you know they try and put it out their mind for years and then eventually get, you know, find the, the bravery to come forward about these things. However, having so many inconsistencies or changing their story constantly, personally, I just feel it's absolutely crazy. I, one of the, the accusations in, in uh, my trial involved somebody saying that, well, they went to, I obviously have to try and be careful not to, to be too specific, but um, saying that the area that we had went to was pointed out on a map and uh you know that the well the accuser at that time obviously called a victim um yeah. until i cleared my name uh, but the accuser had been taken to like a safe house with specially trained police officers who went through everything took down the statements and lots of things and uh, one of the, the things was looking at maps to identify where this had happened uh, and the issue was uh, it was something I had to frantically scribble down and hand to uh, my solicitor uh, at, during the trial the place that had been pointed out on the map didn't exist at the time it was meant to have happened it was uh, it, this this place that we'd apparently went to um, wasn't accessible when this yeah. was meant to have happened <laughs> but obviously the the maps they used were newer maps and things like that but this is something that again it, it was absolutely mad this is a complete massive issue you know if they're saying where where this place is meant to have been yeah. and it's not factually correct it's not only factually incorrect it's completely well, impossible she wasn't questioned when she said oh he took me to a hotel in london I don't know the name of it, but I don't know where it was, but I know it's not there anymore. And no more questions was asked about it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it, it's, it seems to be quite a common thing as well. With, with, if somebody comes up and says a specific date in a specific year, even if it was years ago, at least you have somewhere you can start looking to see if there's anything to help yeah. defend yourself. Now, the issue is you shouldn't have to defend yourself. It should be innocent until proven guilty. And that's beyond yeah. reasonable doubt. Yes. I think personally, a lot of people prejudge once they read charges. When they see you in the dock, they they automatically think you're a monster. You're a horrible person. You know, he yeah. wouldn't be here if this hadn't happened. And exactly. you know, That's you're already on the back foot. But the the fact that this basically, basically for for minds, one of them was specific enough, and I was able to argue that case. Um, but it was so long ago. There's there's very little to find. 
But the big problem comes when people are as vague as your your son's ex-partner was. And, uh, for example, somebody says, at some point during this 18-month period in this town or in the vicinity of this area of a town or city, uh, this happened. I mean, you can't literally go through every single day and clear every single day of what you've been doing, where you've been going. It's just impossible. Um, so, like, like you say, you know, a hotel. You can't remember which where it was or that, but it doesn't exist anymore. That, you know, how are you meant to prove a negative, essentially? Exactly. So, how long would you say it was from from when your son received the letter saying that he was to be charged uh, to the actual trial itself? Then, um, it was uh, only a year. Was he held on remand then, or was that after a guilty verdict? A guilty verdict. He was. Um, he, they had a five-day trial. Um, he was. He was found guilty. He was allowed home for five days to get his business sorted out, all his affairs in, and then he kept, went back a week later to be tried, um, to to be, you know, um, convicted. And um, what a shock that was! <laughs> yeah. murderers, uh, murderers get less time. And I mean, a year a year from charge to trial is pretty quick as well, considering, yeah. you know, yeah. how how much investigation really should be done for a, a case of this sort of magnitude. Uh, and uh, there wasn't any investigations. It doesn't matter how much he kept saying this, this and this, they did not investigate any of it. Yeah. And they would held evidence as well, because people were... Some of them were questioned and that, but and they gave statements, but it was never used, and the police withheld it. So, um, and and obviously she's come out with a with the Jimmy Savile compensation as well. So she's, you know, it's worth doing to get alienate, uh, get her own back, if you see what I mean, using the system, and and, so, um, and coming away with potentially tens of thousands of pounds. Hmm. <laughs> As far as we know, she's got she's got her compensation, you know, and it's yeah. thousand. Yeah, so. that's it. And so, so in the year between the sort of the the letter of charge and the actual trial, then did how did your son cope? Did he have any sort of negative effects? Did anything affect him um, with sort of employment he, he, or his day to day life? Well, he didn't. Yes, he got very very depressed. He was already because of her uh, alienating him from his child. Anyway, he was depressed, and so we were having to go up every fortnight the 600 mile round trip to see his daughter anyway and in between time he was getting harassment from uh, uh, one of her uh, witnesses or a friend or whatever calling him a nonce and they're going to do this and they're going to do that threatening letters threatening um, I think it's the same person anyway and um, he was getting that all the time um, from we know we know who it was actually but um and say no names um as he was getting threatening letters and um then it, we'd drive all the way up there to see his daughter and then she wouldn't have him and then we got the police and they said they couldn't find him and and it's not their business and and so we do and, uh, and then she'd take her off again and deny him any access uh, he was going for custody again and so uh, I think that's why she did it because he was going to go for the custody of his daughter and that's what his daughter yeah. wanted I mean she's always wanted that and she's yeah. stuck, in bedroom, stuck in the bedroom all the time you know on, a, on an iPad and and uh, um, with us we're out and about doing loads of things that children should be doing you know so obviously yeah. she favoured her daddy yeah, and, uh, 
music side of it. So it was because it was a trial for custody until she's of age to do to to whatever she wants to do. Yeah. And that's we've got a trial going on now for that. So if you don't mind me asking, what was the sentence that your son actually got then in the end? He got six years. Okay, so is it, so I think it's still half the sentence in yeah. English prison, a minimum, uh, or is it automatic on, release after the three years? I believe so, and then he's uh, and then he's on uh, license for the rest of his life. Horrible. And uh, up north here in Scotland, it's not as it's not as relaxed as that, for want of a better term. It's still horrendous, um, but in Scotland, if you are sentenced to four years or more, you have to serve the entire sentence, but you're automatically released six months before the end of the sentence. So if you were sentenced to three years, you'd get out in 18 months. If you were sentenced to four years, you'd get out after three and a half years. It's a massive jump for, you know, considering how different it is just across the border. For example, your your son should get out automatically after three. Uh, if he was north of the border, he would have to do five and a half years uh, before automatic release. Is he is he coping okay? How has he been since he's he's been inside? Um, he, he's made the best of his time in there. He's uh, done hairdressing calls. He's done a um, catering calls. He's done a very very. He's got a diploma in a family course actually. Um, that was private, and. Uh, he goes to um, work every day, he does sewing, so they're teaching him to be a tailor as well. Uh, so he's actually done loads of, um, and he's studying law as well. Um, oh, fantastic. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's doing loads and loads while he's been in there. And he's, um, you know, he gets on really well with the guards and he gets on well with the inmates. And um, I think basically, and even the guards say, because they sit in with him on his um, video calls with the court and that. And and they've read his um, some of his you know his witness stuff you know with the um, transcripts he's got the transcript there um, and they've said that they can even see what she's done blatantly but the trouble is the the crown court won't look at the family court and they need to be looked at together you see um, because of the jury didn't know all the things that went on in the family court and that whole story about how it all started. Um, that they didn't know that. All they could hear is the fact she said, "Oh, when he was, when I was thirteen, he did this, this, and this." She didn't. They didn't say about all the all the build up. He's got so much, but that that wasn't allowed to be said in the crown. Yeah, it's it's horrible. You're very limited in what you can actually say for some, and some yeah. of the reasons that I don't get me wrong. I know there's probably a million and one legal arguments as to why, but even myself, I had so much that I want to give as evidence or things I'd managed to look up, and I just th there'll be legal reasons why, but I wasn't allowed to use half of it for yeah. for whatever reasons. Um, and you're just told essentially, oh, there's legal reasons we're not allowed to, which I, you know I don't doubt, but it's it's quite frustrating when it's just sort of passed aside. Yeah. Another one that also frustrated me the whole way through um, and I know it's their job, they have to do it, but the solicitor had to keep reminding me that if I pled guilty, I would receive a third of yeah. my sentence, a third discount. Um, got, it's horrible. But yeah, I, I mean, I think legally they, they probably have to advise you of that. But the problem is, you sit down there and you take that into account and you think, you know, if 
I do this, it would be better for me, but then I'm admitting to something I didn't do. So you genuinely have to consider whether it's better to lie and say you've done something so you get a lesser sentence than, yeah. you know, just fight your way through it and potentially be held accountable for something you didn't do. I I was extremely lucky that I managed to clear my name after being convicted. I know I'm very much in the minority there, um, mm. and it's it's nigh on impossible to try and clear your name. I, I was yeah. very very fortunate. There's no legal help whatsoever behind them bars. Nothing. No. no one that's it. And you know, I I had a, a good career. I had uh, a, a pretty stable lifestyle, and you know, I, I had a respected job and all of that gone because of this sort of false conviction that, that just came out of nowhere. It, it's absolutely horrendous. Um, but it's good It's good to hear that your son's at least taking okay. Some people really, really struggle. Um, I, I struggle to begin with, but when I, I start things like having my work party or education, things like that, it does help. And, um, and of course, with uh, COVID-19, it's just made things so much more difficult yeah. for prisoners. You know, where they'd be able to particularly go to the gym or play sports or get out and about a bit more it's so limiting at the moment uh, and it has been for quite a while um, because of COVID-19 um, so has your son had any effects from COVID-19 in the prisons has that affected his routine? A lot a lot he couldn't go out I mean to begin with he's locked up his cell for days and well, months on end and uh, even now because he won't admit to his crime He's locked up at the weekends, even though he works Monday to Friday, at weekend, from Friday at five o'clock, he's locked up to three or four o'clock on Saturdays. He's allowed out for half an hour, then he's locked up again till Monday morning. He's in this room 29 hours, and uh, they said that it'd be easier if he admitted to his guilt, but he said, I'm not admitting to my guilt. And yeah. uh, so yeah, he has he has broken down a few times, and he doesn't know what to do with himself because he's so busy. He never he wouldn't even sit down and watch a film when he was at home. He was that busy all the time doing something, and yeah. now we lay on a really hard bed, you know, um, really uncomfortable. He's got health, a few health problems now occurring, and um, he's just he's just beside himself really. But he is trying to stay positive by doing work etc etc yeah i think finding something to do with your time is one of the biggest things i found that sort of helped distract me through it and um i I did have similar issues you know you get taken for an assessment about you know whether you're going to have to do some sort of programs uh to you know like re-offender programs or sexual Mm -hmm. offenses programs things like that and um I basically told them so and I had to be very careful about how I worded it because I was well aware there was lots of people who faced backlash or it held uh, they held it against them because they refused to admit guilt um yeah. so I so I essentially said to them in the eyes of the law I am aware that I am a criminal in the eyes of the law on paper I have been convicted of these crimes and I accept that however I did not commit these crimes and I'm doing everything I can to try and clear my name off it. And until then, I've nothing else I can really do. You know, I can I can only accept that this is what I have been found guilty for. I did not do this. However, I've accepted that that's what I have been. You know, I didn't once admit that I did it because I didn't. Um, but I, I tried to at least explain to them that, you know, I accept that this is what has happened. I accept that this is my conviction and my sentence. However, I did not do it. 
but yeah. I'm accepting of this is the situation until I clear my name. I'm going down the routes I can. And oddly enough, quite a lot of the the prison officers um, did seem to be quite sympathetic to it because I, I think your son will recognise himself as well from I'd imagine you'll, you'll probably have heard stories of the different people as well that he's bumped into in there and um, same story same story yeah. none but of them yeah, I sorry. think prison no no you're okay I, I was gonna, just going to say that the prison officers are obviously they're they're, they're wise that they've they, you know they, this is their life this is their job so I think it's quite easy for them to work out the genuine people and the people who are decent with them as opposed to the people that either are troublemakers or let's be honest yeah. probably deserve to be in there or really should be in a mental institution meant for uh, assistance with their mental health rather than for their crimes and yeah yeah and it's there's a lot of people that i definitely think should have been receiving medical help rather than just being locked yeah. up he said there's one in there with cerebral palsy he said he's been accused of this in the same sort of thing but he said he can't even dress himself let alone do anything like that and he said he's innocent as well and he's in there and he shouldn't be in that type of place he should be in a medical place yeah exactly and and when you're when you're stuck in there you're very limited as well on what you can do so if mm. you don't have that support outside uh you know you know thankfully your son has you uh for support and to speak to and things like that but if you don't have somebody on the outside it's it's i can only imagine how horrendous it is that my family and friends knew me well enough to know that there was no way on earth that i could have committed those crimes so thankfully they stuck by me and you know they were good writing to me sending me emails that kind of thing but it's you know you see people in there and, and the problem is you don't know the full story of any of these people so you have to take them on face value by how they treat you essentially and it's it's difficult because you, you, you get some people telling you certain stories about other people and things that will shock you or you know you'd be disgusting at but you don't know if that's true because well other people might think the same as you and you know that you're innocent so it's 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 really difficult to try and sort of process as you're going through that yeah yeah other thing i've i've definitely seen uh firsthand at least was people that suffered massively with depression or being suicidal yeah. in there and um, people that self self-harmed and Another problem that I found was if you wanted to go for parole to try and get out earlier, they'd look at everything, including your medical records from your time in prison as well. And if they yeah. believe that you could be uh, a threat to yourself, even, you know, if, if they have it down that you're depressed or you're, you've been having thoughts of suicide or anything like that, that can be held against you and you won't get parole for it. So, you know, I'll, I'll be honest, I probably should have got help with my mental health in there because of what I was going through. But I didn't because I knew that if I didn't win my appeal, that yeah. that would then delay me getting out and getting back to my family and friends again, and getting back to having a life. And it's horrendous when you have to sit down and genuinely make a decision on whether you think you should yeah. get help with your mental health or yeah. try and get out quicker by pretending everything's okay. And it's it's just a horrible position to be in overall, uh, let alone with these things like COVID-19 we had. 20 minutes in the morning where you could either use the phones or get a shower 20 minutes in the afternoon where you could use the phones or get a shower and that was it um i mean does your son have access to a mobile phone in the cell then or an in-cell phone no he can't he has to wait and go on the floors one of the floors and he's got to he does mainly phone me every day but 
and now he's um uh they they're having a dispute on there and he he has to just grab the phone when he's walking to the shower or something you know just to tell me he's okay yeah um, and it's, it's so difficult as well and this this there's bound to be lots of people out there who maybe aren't so tech savvy so right now with the sort of virtual uh visits and you know the email prisoner things like that it's it's quite difficult and it's also quite expensive to use the prison telephones as well and then i put in uh 20 30 pound a week for him to for his uh canteen etc because he said the food's disgusting so he buys packets of noodles and etc etc the diet is absolutely awful in there because there's no healthy food there's no greens he says they're ever cooked any vegetables they're just to a pulp yeah um why well, a first-hand experience in uh working in the kitchens from where i was in um yeah the food is leaves a lot to be desired it's clearly the cheapest of the cheap what they could get with the vast majority of it frozen any vegetables you get tend to be frozen uh, yeah. sometimes you get salads uh, that are fresh but they're usually going you know the, the leaves are going brown and things like that by the time you get it and yeah the food the food's not fantastic let's put it that way um but um yeah. I, I don't know if it's something your son's seen but there was uh quite a few people that uh, they weren't religious, but they they basically said that they were either Muslim or Jewish, so that they could get a different menu. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he does say that. He said there are people in there say, and they get a different menu from him. So he says, oh, I think I'm going to say the same, but he's too late now. He's been there a year. And that's it. But the thing is, if you're if you're somebody that's never really been in that position before, you don't think to do. You know, no. you, uh, there's people that are in and out all the time, and as soon as they come in, they tell them that their religion. They know that's because they get a better menu. Whereas yeah. this, these people like your son or myself go in, and I mean, you're yeah. still trying to process the fact you've been taken to a prison, let alone the fact that you're worrying about what you're going to eat for the next however many years. Um, with, with his canteen, yeah. I, I can certainly speak from my side of things with canteens, you know, once a week you, you get a form you can fill in and if you've got money in your account from either your wages or money that friends or family have put in, you can buy things. And, you know, there, there's literally, if, you, if you're diabetic, for example, there's nothing there that's really sugar free. And, mm. you know, you can get chocolate, you can get sweets, you can get fizzy juice, you know, Coca-Cola, that sort of stuff. Um, and you can get noodles or, you know, tuna in a packet, all that sort of stuff. But there is nothing really that you can do to sort of have anything remotely healthy. That's that's the problem. All the food that you get is stodged. And don't get me wrong, it's the food that you get given probably ticks the boxes for your, you know, portions of fruit and veg a day, and it ticks the boxes for your nutritional content. But it's horrendous. It's it's. I, I mean, some of the times I wouldn't even call it food. <laughs> it's, you know. uh, that's why he said he said that's why he does the canteen and gets. Yeah, he said end up with biscuits and things, you know, and eat yeah. I'll tell you what, that I've never seen ingenuity uh, than when I was in, in prison, actually. The amount of things that people can do, I, I've learned to make uh, different meals in a microwave that I'd never imagined. I've made, I've made flapjacks and cakes, and uh, it's absolutely mad. He's got this kettle, they say this kettle that he boils up and he does his noodles in it and he does rice and he does all sorts of things in this kettle and he rinses it out and uses it to make his tea. He, and, uh, yeah, yeah. 
apparently they you have to watch some of the prisoners on tea bags because they smoke the tea bags and and the sugar they they sometimes boil the sugar up and use it as like a weapon and chuck it over people or stuff like yeah that. i've seen i've heard of that yeah. as well yeah because it sticks to them essentially it'll basically just peel their yeah. skin off it's horrendous yeah. um has, yeah. has your son ever had to witness any anything horrible if his throat slit, um, he, stand, he had it all stitched up, but he was standing outside having a fag, I think, or something. I don't know what he, he said. He was standing there and he's had his throat, he had his throat slit. But, you know, apart from somebody pooing in the showers, he hasn't really, because he's sectioned off, isn't he? They're all the same ones there, you know, but um, a same conviction, if you see what I mean. And yeah, so he'll be in, uh, I think the proper term is offence protection wings or something like that. It's yeah. for people who either they're high profile um, or they're, it's usually sexual offences. What you'd get, the, the problem is if you bump into the sort of mainstream, you get the shout calling you nonces or beasts or monsters or that sort of stuff just because yeah. of what area you're in. And it's absolutely horrendous. Uh, how awful, isn't it? And, 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 and even uh, like what you were saying about the beds and things like that, you know, your mattress is essentially one of those pretty thin gym mats, you know, yeah. the, the little blue gym mats that you get in school. That's that's pretty much what your bed is like. And yeah. it's really overcrowded. There are people, I mean, has your, has your son got a cellmate or has he got a single? Yeah. or Tiny little cell. He had a six by four with two people in it at one time. But now he is, um, he is on his own in there. So he, yeah, he that's was, something at least. He said they couldn't even you couldn't both stand on the floor because uh, there was a bed on the you know like there's a bunk bed and there's there was a chair or something and then there was a toilet cubicle and that so there was just no room for both of them to stand yeah. up. He's got a TV in his room and he, he he learns a lot from that and he's watching these um, rip off Britons and and the police program you know the um, trial programs and stuff like that and all the. Uh, they're they're on about rape now. They're saying they're not got enough um, charges. On I rape. saw that. That's horrendous. And yeah. I, I noticed that when they came out and apologised to the victims and things like that, and said, you know, we're we're not getting enough convictions. And the problem is, they're not actually addressing the fact that some of these charges might not yeah. be true, or some of these reported uh, crimes, the sexual offences, might not actually be valid. Some of the people that the crimes have been dropped, uh, or the charges have been dropped, it doesn't yeah. necessarily mean that they haven't done the work to get it to be a conviction. It might be the fact that they have done the investigation, and it's just not true. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's no the thing. It really it devalues people who have genuinely gone through trauma. And these people who, you know, maybe they do want to just put it in their past rather than reporting these things because they've managed to get on with their lives. And that, you know, that's their choice to make. But these people that come up with these false allegations are the ones that really devalue the horrendous ordeals that some of these people have gone through. It's absolutely terrible. For your son, has he got much of a hope for an appeal? Is he, is he lodged an intent to appeal? Has he got a new... Yeah, we've, we've lost the appeal. Um, if they look at it, I reckon they'll see. But it mustn't be in front of a jury because all a jury sees is somebody behind a bar and think, "Oh, well, we better call him guilty because he might, he might do it to our children." Yeah. Well, I know my my appeal was turned down at the first stage. Yeah. Um, they are they argued the case. Well, the first stage for I, I don't know. I think in Scotland and England it's probably the same. But the first stage at least uh, went to the judge of the trial who had yeah, to justify right. his yeah. reasons. Uh, or her reasons, and uh, 
mine basically just said that uh, out, outright lied um, compared to what actually happened in the, the court during the trial outright lied to save their own self basically and it was uh, knocked back at the first stage we appealed to that and thankfully uh, we managed to get it all the way people it's it's what i call an inconvenient truth because yeah. it's more it's more convenient to think that all the bad guys are going to prison uh because they're bad rather than yeah. to think that they may actually be innocent people in prison and it's it's just a horrible way to look at everything else to pay i've had to sell my house i'm now in a place where i've got no heating i need new electrics i need a new roof and I've had to sell my house and get just get this to tie me over because of all the debt I had to pay off for his debt and then to try and have something back to pay for the solicitors. So it, 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 it's not just her, but him that she's hurt. It's all of us. Yeah, it's all exactly. The, all family. If you could essentially give yourself a message back at the start of this or give your son a message if when this first came about or for somebody else in his shoes uh, sort of just starting their, their journey through that sort of an ordeal, do you have any tips or advice you would give them? Well, I'd tell them to be strong. Uh, don't let them uh, make you sign or say that it's going to be an easier sentence if you plead guilty. Stand there and tell them that you're not guilty and stand by it no yeah. matter what and it's difficult it is very difficult to stick to your morals on that though when you know there's so many reasons to to, to admit that you did something you didn't do you know the, yeah. the pressure on you to admit that you did something yeah. you didn't do to get a lesser sentence or you know for lots of things it's it's horrible even my best friends don't believe me that he's innocent they say oh well you've got a, 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 a 12 jury and five-day trial, he must be guilty. But there wasn't a single bit of evidence. It's all done on probabilities. Absolutely, and yeah. Circumstantial. Same with me. Not, not, not any evidence whatsoever in my case. It was just no. literally somebody saying something against me, and it turned out that I, I was one of many that had been accused by the same person. So it's, it's horrible. What, what do you think would change things? Is there anything that we could do as a society or anything you would pass on if you had a message to pass on to the politicians or the government? What, what do you think would help? If some um, families uh, situation like we've got with children, I think the two courts should be able to liaise with, with each other and they should uh, be, you know, they should look at the whole case, the whole lot, the family and whatever this person's saying so if it's to do with like my case it's to do with family court really um but that's got to be joined up family and the crown court has got to be joined up yeah. and uh, and and there's got to be more help for prisoners when they're in prison to to if they're to appeal and um they've got to do more investigations and not and not um charge somebody unless they've got absolute 100 percent proof not even to take it to court until they've got 100 percent proof yeah i mean personally i i think just just my own opinion anyway i think two of the biggest things they could do to help with this is this there's something that uh some places in europe do and that's instead of having financial incentive to report uh through you know the, the this compensation that the victims get essentially i hate calling them victims because i know so often yeah. they're not but um i think it's uh, i can't remember if it's denmark or norway or somewhere like that but i know what they do is they will happily pay for private treatment 
for helping the victims uh, with their mental health and sort of their PTSD or anything like that to help them get better uh, mentally and to be able to to live a happier, more fulfilling life uh, off the back of the trauma. And personally, I think if there's not a financial incentive, then a lot of these cases may not appear because where is really the need for them to do it? Yeah, that's right. That's right. I mean, this this is um, this is all to do with compensation, alienation, and um, revenge. So yeah, um, that's it. Right. I've, I've I think all the historical cases are coming up now. Yeah, so. the historic cases are crazy because there usually isn't any evidence anyway. Um, the yeah. other thing that I think would make a massive difference is for the police to actually investigate fully both sides, rather than yeah. just they go into it with the believe the victim. Uh, believe the accuser sort of mentality and it's something that uh, previous uh, sort of higher politicians things like that have came out and said or high up in the police have said that they want people to immediately believe it and you end up with things like you know Carol Beach who was in the news with all these accusations ruined people's lives and turned out he had made it all up Um, so I think if the police were to go into it with an open mind now I'm not saying to dismiss anyone when they come with uh, accusations but to actually you know, investigate thoroughly, non uh, in a non-biased view. Look at both sides of it and actually look to see what the likelihood is that it actually existed, rather than going in steamrolling through it, only trying to get a conviction. That that yeah. seems to be one of the biggest. Yeah. And it's, it's all too often I hear that from a lot of people that the statements have been changed or they've been coached by the police. Yeah, coached, that's the word. Absolutely horrible. Um, literate, okay. so she didn't think of it herself. And all the words that were said in the statements, it's not by a literate person. So she, if you read the texts that she's written and the statements, you can see that it's not been done by her because she's illiterate. I mean, bless yeah. her. And, that's, and there's so many people that even if they're caught uh, lying, um, so these false accusations that come out, if for some reason they actually do get caught out or they get, uh, you know, charged with perjury or you know, things yeah. like that. Um, too often, it's what I've been told as well. They will not prosecute or charge these people because, and this is this is literally word for word what I was told is, it would put genuine complainers off from coming forward because of fear of repercussions, and it's yeah. it's absolutely madness. Exactly, that's what my son was told. Exactly. So even if she gets done for this perjury, um, she won't be charged because they won't do it because it stops other people from. Exactly, exactly the same. He's told that, and that's what the cop had told him as well. So yeah, exactly. uh, yeah, that's that's why they that's why they get away with it. It's worth the risk, isn't it? Really? Well, enough has that's been a risk here. risk reward with that. You know, if you've got crazy sums of money on one end, if you're willing to lie. I mean, I, I've seen the other side of it. I could quite easily come forward, make an accusation, and know that I would get out the other end with lots of money. But the problem is. Yeah. You know, most people have genuine morals and wouldn't do that because yeah. they know that they're ruining someone's life. Exactly, yeah, exactly. But here's so, hoping that things things will change and this obsession yeah. with sort of statistics on convictions will yeah. be answered properly or there will be some sort of change in the way they're going to look at this because something needs to happen because too many people's lives are being ruined by people who oh. have their own agendas or who are lying, essentially. Yeah, they've got to. It's got to change. I mean, I didn't realise myself it was so bad until this happened. And really and truly, people, normal people, would not know it's happening. 
Um, no, exactly. And, uh, I'm exactly the same. I, I didn't realise just how bad it was until it was me. And, you know, it ruined my life. Um, but let's let's hope for your son things will get better. We'll hope that, you know, his appeal will go ahead. We'll, we'll his his appeal first one was turned down. That was the court one. Um, I think it tends to get a, a turned down first time anyway, from what I've heard anyway. Mine's, mine's got turned down at the first stage as well. Second one because this is, we've been we've been a month month now. I mean, he got he got the form last November, but he never got it to in his cell till March, and then we're out of time. So we've had to ask for more time and send it all in. And, and that's the problem. Once as soon as you're in prison, you know everything's sort of out of reach for you or delayed, and it's it makes things so much more difficult to do anything. Um, but. Uh, Hopefully, we'll, we'll stay in touch anyway. Hopefully, we'll get some good news on your son's case and um, yeah. we can we can keep an eye out and we'll, we'll have another chat again. And hopefully, like I said, hopefully it'll be good news and uh, yeah. we'll be able to maybe even speak to your son at some point once he's cleared yeah. his name. Yeah, I'm doing it. Not at all. Well, thank you very much for being part of the podcast today anyway. And like I said, here's hoping for some good news on your side and hopefully you, yeah. you're keeping well as well. Yeah, I hope so. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm.